Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Kim folk, will you pray with me? Holy God, who calls us to that narrow path of righteousness, guide our hearts into your word and into holiness for the sake of our lives and the disposition of our souls. Amen. Well, John the Baptist is clearly furious. He is filled with righteous anger this week. It's kind of his style. He's filled with righteous anger because of the, the ants and the grasshoppers. You all know that story of the ant and the grasshopper. Right? It's a pretty classic Aesop's fable. Ant and the grasshopper and the grasshopper spends the summer dancing and playing his fiddle and the ant spends the summer storing up wheat and then things go poorly for the grasshopper. All right, well, the ants, the little ants have worked hard and they've stored up their righteousness and their good deeds and their wheat for the winter. And now John, now John the Baptist sees the grasshoppers, the locusts, who have come hopping in out of, into the sunshine looking for a little grace, a little something for nothing, now that the hour has grown late, the locusts. What does John the Baptist do to locusts? The hour's grown long and late down at the muddy banks of the Jordan River. It's grown late, and the people have been given good instruction. God has told them what is good and righteous, and they chose all on their own to put that spiritual nonsense off for a later date. They were busy with their lives, you see. But now the bell tolls. It tolls. The Messiah is coming. Now, now at last, now they realize that they need repentance and they want to be washed in the waters of the Jordan because the bell is ringing. And it's not a sad, solemn toll, but it rings and rattles like an alarm clock. They leap out of bed. They run to the Jordan River, wanting their repentance before the end comes. And that's where the journey begins this week. With a lot of Johnny-come-latelys the banks of the Jordan. And John the Baptist is furious. John says to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, he says, you brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, say the grasshoppers, the weather's getting cold. And uh, we spent our summer doing stupid stuff. And now the winter's coming, and we didn't take what you were saying seriously before, uh, and now we are awful sorry. And that's the business that's happening at the Jordan today. The bell is tolling, and the snow is starting to fall, and the ant has labored diligently, storing up treasures in heaven. And the grasshopper is loafed about, concerned with the mortal world, worried about mortal and material things. Uh, concerned with their earthly welfare, assuming, of course, that they would live forever, never have to worry about all that nonsense that John the Baptist is always harping on about, until they do. And what to do, what to do, the bell tolls, the bell tolls. You know, people really misunderstand uh, that poem, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, by John Donne. It's one of his most famous meditations, and it is so completely misunderstood read and misunderstood. I love it. I have committed it to heart. I, um, I recite it under my breath every time I pull over and let a funeral procession pass on the road, as you ought to. 
Kinfolk, if you get frustrated pulling over for a funeral procession, you've got your priorities royally messed up. Um, anyway, I pull over and I recite the poem. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind. And therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. The bell always tolls for you. We don't ring the funeral bells in the church to honor the dead. We ring them so that the living might know that they are diminished, that humankind is diminished. The bell always tolls for you. Whenever a brother or sister passes from this life into the next, you are yourself diminished by their passing. Who is the bell ringing for? Who are the mourners crying for? Who is the funeral procession riding for? Who are the guns firing for? Who is John preaching for? For you. For you. To remind you to get ready. And the people figure this out, and so they flee to John the Baptist. Help us to get ready, they say. What can we do to get ready? And the crowds ask him. This is elsewhere from Luke. What should, what should we do? What should we do, John? Is it sufficient to simply be baptized in the Jordan? And in reply, he said to them, who, this is what he tells them to do. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Maybe they say, well, really? <laughs> Mr. John the Baptist or whoever you are? That sounds like socialism. I don't know. I'm not into that. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who doesn't. Maybe if they wanted a coat so bad, they should have got a job and get their own coat. I'm not sharing nothing. I got mine. I'll do fine. Where did this guy go to seminary, anyway? See, the, the thing is that when the bell tolls, when it tolls for thee, it isn't coats and food and money that we'll be wanting. It's the other thing, righteousness. Today, he says, today, don't delay. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worried that he carry his shoes. He's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Clear the threshing floor. He's going to gather the wheat into the granary. The chaff is going to be burned. This is very similar to Jesus' own teachings later in Luke and Matthew. He teaches bear fruits worthy of repentance. John says that as well today. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Produce, grain, bear fruits to be gathered into the granary. Good stuff, good grain, don't delay. Bell is ringing, John is preaching. The hour is at hand today. John, John is furious as almost all prophets of the Bible get angry from time to time because God has told the people very clearly and explicitly and plainly what is good what they ought to do, and once more they've decided that they know better than God. And even so, they're certain that nothing bad is going to come from their selfishness, frankly, because they probably don't really believe in God anyway. 
If they did, they would do as God had commanded them, care for the poor and the sick, the widow and the orphan, visit the prisoners, distribute goods from those who are able to those according to their needs. Well, is any of this relevant today, or is it just nonsense? I guess our nation is in a pretty burdensome place right now. The axe is at the root of the tree. There is no well-being for the poor and the sick. You can't even manage to care for railway workers when they get sick. People who deliver us our food. We can't even manage to eke out a little bit of mercy for the men and women upon whom we depend. And there's certainly no welcome for the immigrant or the alien or the wanderer. Sorely lacking is care for widows and orphans. We spend twice as much money on our military as we do on social safety programs for the poor and the hungry. I think if John were here, he'd say that we definitely got our priorities screwed up. This is a symptom of a nation, a society that's fallen out of step with God's shalom, with God's peace, healing of the world. And maybe there isn't much that we can do as individuals to change course, but not that, that, not that that doesn't keep me up at night. No, it does. It's my accountability, my participation in the contract, in the system. I take the Bible very seriously, and the Bible frequently talks about the judgment of the nations. You know this phrase, the judgment of the nations? It's a header in a lot of different parts of the Bible. Judgment of the nations. I always want to read that as the judgment of the Nathans. <laughs> because if it, was, if it was just the Nathans being judged, then this Nathan would say, Lord, I did not authorize spending all of that money on the military and aircraft carriers and stuff and secret detention facilities and space lasers and bombers and things like that. I, did, I said that that money should go toward feeding the poor and housing the homeless and, and fixing the roads. And I think if you look at the record, it will indicate as such. But no, it's not called the judgment of the Nathans. It's called the judgment of the nations. God judges nations. God help us all. God judged the nations. God judged Israel. God judged Rome. God judges nations. And maybe this is why John the Baptist is so angry, so furious, because he knows that as a Judean, he's going to get lumped in with all of his compatriots at the judgment. And the hour is fast approaching. He knows, like we know, that we would fix the world if somebody would just give us a shot. But we can't. We can't. We can't, or, or rather, we can't fix the world out there by tomorrow or by the time the bell tolls and We've got to put our pencils down and hand in our test. But we can start fixing the world in here, in here today, inside ourselves. Uh, beloveds, inside your heart is a universe. I know this. I'm, I've spoken to some of you. And you let me look inside your heart and I see galaxies. I see stars spinning away. Inside of you is an infinite space. And inside your heart is also, somewhere, a threshing room. A threshing room. Um, there is a threshing room in your heart, and that's where, you're going, that's where you pour the harvest of your life. And in that room, there's wheat, and there's chaff. 
And even now his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, to gather the wheat into the granary, and with the chaff to have it burned away to nothing. And so this is the wheat. This is the wheat that you're gathering into your granary. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. That's Christianity 101. That's bearing fruits worthy of repentance. It's giving and serving. And that does something amazing. It transforms your earthly wealth through your heart into heavenly treasure. So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, like the ant. The ant works hard during the summer of her life. She goes where it is hard, where the pavement is cracked and broken. She goes where the people are poor and sick and hungry. She goes where the people are angry. She goes where it is hard. And she goes where the people are called criminals and scum and bums and beggars. And she goes there. And she looks for her savior there among the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. And she feeds them and clothes them and holds them and loves them. And she carefully, and by doing this, she carefully stores up treasures in heaven. She's pouring grain into the granary of her heart. And it's hard work because she knows about the grasshopper. And she would, she would rather be like the grasshopper. Look for the good life and the easy life. She'd rather spend her money uh, and her time focusing on herself and her own happiness. She would rather store her treasures in a bank account rather than heaven. But she's an ant. And so the grain is stored into the granary and the chaff is burned away. And when she looks into the faces of those whom she serves, she sees the face of God. And her heavenly treasure is secure. Be like the ant. Store up grain for when the bell tolls. Don't be like the grasshopper. Don't waste the chance that you've been given to do good on this earth and bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now maybe you're in a place in your life where you can't hear the bell ringing. We all go through that. Maybe you can't hear John the Baptist calling from the edge of the Jordan River, which is the river that we will all cross someday. But I hear him. At this point in my life and my career, I've put nearly 200 Christians in the ground. I've spoken the words so many times that they're etched on my heart. I've held their hands as they left this world. I've whispered into their ear the last words that they'll ever hear. Flee, O Christian, out of this world in the name of God most holy. I've said to their survivors, into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant. Acknowledge, we humbly pray, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a daughter of your own redeeming. I hear the bell. I hear it. So gather in your grain. Start on it today. Let go of the chaff. You individually know what needs letting go of. God is there. And Christ is there in your heart. And he'll help you. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He's not there to 
beat you with his winnowing fork. He's there to help you suss out the grain from the chaff. That's what he's there for. Turn your anxiety away from worldly things. and Focus on serving God, and this is the way to righteousness. It's how we serve. It's how we live. I'll close today with a quote from a Christian martyr, a man named Jim Elliott, who chose service over comfort, and ultimately he chose to die rather than to defend himself with violence. His life is a powerful testimony to nonviolence and peace, and his words, his words sound like the ringing of a bell. He wrote the day that he died in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Brothers and sisters, we can't keep anything here in this world but the love between us and our faith in God. Now John is calling at the riverside. So let's us bring forth this winter a harvest worthy of our Lord and Savior. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let all of God's tireless workers say,